Here's the thing though. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Here's the Thing Though. My name is Saliha, and I'm your host for today. I'm here with my producer slash editor, Mitch Price. Hello. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge the Darug and Kuringai people who are the traditional owners of the land that we are recording on today. We'd like to pay our respects to all First Nations people, past, present, and future, and acknowledge that we're recording on stolen land, and that sovereignty was never ceded. We also want to mention that this week is NADOC week and we want to acknowledge the ongoing plight of First Nations people in trying to protect and care for their land and each other when they also have to survive a state that is still, to this day, trying to erase them. So Mitch, what have you been up to? How was your week? The week? The week has been a bit stressful. It's a bit been a bit chaotic. Um, I mean, with the election and all. Not that we're, I guess, as impacted here, but still it just seems to consume the zeitgeist. I think there was just like a real palpable, like stressful tension just in the air everywhere you went. Everywhere. I couldn't relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so the week has been hectic. Today, it's been pretty good. Today's we were- been a really nice day. Yeah. I've had like a pretty shitty week, I will say. It's just been a bit bit down, bit anxious. Not even like election anxious, just... Just regular just, anxiety. <laughs> just regular constant feelings of impending doom that come with, you know, capitalism, etc. <laughs> it's just not been a good time. But we've had a nice day today recording and stuff. Well, we're recording now at like, what, 3 or 4 p.m. So we've spent the day kind of working. We worked outside for a bit. It was nice. Yeah, went on a walk, checked out some nature nearby. Oh, my God. We saw some, like, baby ducklings in the wild. In the wild baby ducklings, bro. I'm not over it. It was, like, the cutest thing I've ever seen. Because we were just, like, walking past some creek. Mitch lives, like, near so much bushland. It's very strange to me as somebody who lives in a very urban area. But, um... It was so cute, just walking little baby ducklings and their little mama duck. And I just, it was a very nice, wholesome way to like start our day. Yeah. Well, anyways, how have you been other than other the than anxiety that? and the ducks? Like it's, yeah, look, it's been, it is what it is. <laughs> I feel like it's like, I just had too much free time. I think I haven't worked much in the past week and it's not been good for me. But we're here, we're being productive and I feel like a human again. Because that's capitalism for you, right? When you're not feeling productive, you just feel like shit and you can't like get out of that cycle. That's me right now. Episode topic. Episode there topic. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. I think we should, <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. Just like the go. constant overproductivity and hustle. Hustle. <gasps> hustle culture. Hustle culture. Oh, wow, look at us. We're on a roll today. <laughs> um, look, before we get into today's topic, I do just want to do some follow-up in terms of the recent events with the US election. Um, as you guys probably know by now, Trump was voted out and now Biden is the new US president and Kamala Harris is the vice president. I made what turned out to be uh, some pretty controversial comments about Kamala Harris, which I kind of want to take a minute, probably more than a minute, lol, just to explain so I can shed some light on why I don't share the excitement and optimism that other people do about having her as a woman of colour as vice president. Um, I'll preface it with, you know, the obvious fact that like everybody else, I am glad that Trump is no longer president. I'm sure this is a relief to everybody, uh, especially those who he was like directly targeting and abusing the rights of. This probably means, you know, an actual like direct immediate improvement in the material conditions of some people who can now exist, you know, in slightly less fear, knowing that Nazis and the KKK won't be feeling as emboldened under Biden as they did under Trump. It is definitely something that's, you know, cause for celebration. I am genuinely sorry to anyone who felt like I was taking that away from them because that's definitely not what I was trying to do. Uh, But 
So, you know, please continue celebrating Trump getting fired. That's very good news. What I do refuse to celebrate, though, is Kamala Harris herself. Kamala Harris is a woman of colour. Specifically, she's half Indian and half Jamaican, and she identifies as black and Asian. People of colour are pretty stoked to have her as the vice president because of the representation that she brings. But I, for one, am not. I'm really against Kamala Harris, actually, and I really dislike the way that she is being discussed at the moment. People seem to genuinely believe she must be progressive and beneficial to marginalised racial communities because she is of a marginalised racial community. Um, But I disagree, and you really only have to look at her politics to understand why. Kamala Harris is, like, fundamentally anti-working class, inclusive of and especially in regards to people of colour. She was literally a cop. She's a cop, (laughs) and we are a cab in this house, so that's point number one. Uh, She's a prosecutor that fucked with the lives of many, many, many working class people, particularly black and trans people. Uh, She sent a trans woman to a male prison, which is fucking horrific in itself. There there are, like I've been reading about it, there's conflicting media reports, but there are media reports that say that because of that, a trans woman was raped uh, in a prison, which is obviously really fucked up. Um, And she also denied gender reaffirming surgery to trans women. She pushed a law that forces schools to turn in undocumented students over to ICE, separating them from their families and violating their rights. She spent years perpetuating the war on drugs, which we all know disproportionately affects working class black communities. She opposed taking cannabis off the DEA's list of most dangerous substances. And she spent years jailing black people for minor weed issues, as well as petty shit like graffiti and vandalism. She also appealed a judge ruling that the death penalty was unconstitutional and she won, which means executions are ongoing because of that. She, along with Biden, are also very pro-bombing Muslim-majority nations like Iraq, something that hits very close to me as a Muslim person who has grown up post 9-11. It would literally take me an entire podcast episode to detail just how fucked up some of the things Kamala Harris has done in her political career are. You know, from being transphobic to refusing to persecute the church in sexual assault cases to lying about solitary confinement to voting to block federal funding of abortions to literally the many times she actually voted with Trump in increasing military funding and escalating the war in Syria. So my solidarity as a fellow woman of colour and particularly a dark-skinned woman is not to Kamala Harris, but to the working class people all around the world that are oppressed under capitalism who she has actively ruined the lives of in the past. Kamala Harris is an enemy of the working class and that's really all I need to know to condemn her and, re- and refuse to celebrate her as some kind of woke woman of colour hero that will suddenly represent me. She doesn't represent me and quite frankly, she doesn't really represent most of you if you actually want to compare politics. If Kamala Harris represents your feminism, then your feminism is not inclusive of working class black communities, of single mothers, of oppressed minorities in the Middle East, of trans women, of undocumented immigrants, etc etc so what does it really mean then you know what i mean like how how much is your feminism really worth if it's not inclusive of these groups of people i think principles are really really important here having political principles are really important here and i'm not really willing to compromise those for the state i think because trump was so evil and we are also openly against him our perspective of political support has changed We got so used to rooting for anybody who opposed him that now we kind of get defensive when those people are criticised. A lot of people use the quote, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, uh, when discussing Biden and Kamala Harris. But like, that's not reality. 
in reality, they're all your enemy because they all have a fundamental interest in keeping you oppressed under capitalism to maintain their position in society. Joe Biden is not your friend. Kamala Harris is not your friend. Don't mistake them as buddies because they front an image of progressiveness. You have to look into their actual politics, their actual actions, and judge them for that, not because of their PR. We need to be way more critical of political figures in general, and that energy can't just like end with Trump. The bar is so low at the moment that we're celebrating warmongers and rapists because they aren't openly part of the KKK or trying to actively get trans people murdered. Like, this is not good enough. Expect more. Demand more. Be less naive and more critical. There is so much going on behind the scenes around these politicians. And honestly, either way, they are upholding capitalism, white supremacy and the subjugation of Indigenous people. I highly, highly recommend following Lil Native Boy on Instagram. Uh, They're Native American and super insightful when it comes to criticisms of American democracy. Um, They shared a thread on what voting means for Native Americans not that long ago. And I think it really resonated with what I think of democracy and what a farce it is in this day and age and why I'm so cynical about it. Girl boss, though. (laughs) Hashtag girl boss. Yeah, look, just because somebody is like of an ethnic minority doesn't make them woke. I think that's like the moral of the story here. Look at their actions, not their words. And we can celebrate the fact that Trump has been kicked out of the White House, but we don't necessarily need to celebrate the people that are taking his position. Exactly. Anyway, now that I've got that out of the way, I'll introduce today's topic. This week, we're going to be talking about the jabbering trees and the horrific death of one of them recently, and how this was, you know, emblematic of the ongoing genocide, both physical and cultural, of First Nations people on this land. This was actually supposed to be last week's topic, uh, but we moved it to this week so we could discuss the terror attacks in France last week, and now it's coincided with NADOC week, which kind of worked out pretty well. Uh, But just before I get into it, I do want to give a content warning. This topic may be distressing, depressing, or triggering for First Nations people, as we kind of discussed, obviously this is a really heavy topic, where we mentioned the struggle and suffering of Indigenous people at the hands of colonizers in the current state. Um... So for any First Nations listeners, I imagine it's, you know, emotionally exhausting and pretty shitty to hear yourself talked about like this all the time by people you literally don't know across the internet who are discussing your very intimate and real issues. And I totally get it. Um, You probably don't need any reminders of your own struggle. So I guess it's just a moment for me to say, like, please take care of yourself. We stand in solidarity with you. We're here for you. But also, I totally get why this conversation would be exhausting for you. And that's so fair. I just want to take a moment to say that. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into it now. Cool. So to give you guys a bit of a catch up in case you haven't been on top of the news lately, there have been ongoing conflicts and disputes around a stretch of highway in northeast Melbourne, which is being redirected through a place that requires the cutting down of thousands of centuries old trees, <laughs> sacred trees. First Nations people and activists have been camping out around the stretch of highway on Jabberwung land for over two years now, trying to protect the trees from being cut down by developers on the government's behalf. Then, on October 26th, a 350-year-old directions tree was cut down on the highway site, which sparked outrage and despair from Jabberwung protesters and activists. And, unsurprisingly, the cops came out to meet them in full force and totally fucked them over with a... F- with a force that's been condemned by several First Nation leaders and politicians across Australia. There's a Sydney Morning Herald article that details a lot of what was going down, and it quotes First Nations uh, woman Lydia Thorpe, who is also a Green senator, as she discusses the deep tragedy and loss of the trees being cut. 
it honestly really broke my heart reading it. Um, it kind of, the article really gets into like the significance of uh, directions, trees in general and quotes First Nations people as well as the journalist interviews. It's actually quite a good piece of journalism. I really would recommend it. We'll put it in the uh, description. Yeah. Um, in terms of legality, this is all a bit of a convoluted mess, okay, in terms of like these trees and them being cut down. Dan Andrews is the one who authorised the cutting down the trees, I'm pretty sure. But the Victorian government is defending themselves because they are saying that they consulted traditional owners who didn't find the site to be culturally significant and therefore they've already done the right thing and they've done it in good faith and it's not really their fault that it turns out it was culturally significant. Specifically, they discussed it with the registered Indigenous group called the Eastern Ma Aboriginal Corporation, which has members from ancestral families from the area on the board, I think there's 12 ancestral families and they have like a member or a seat from all of them. Um, obviously, whoever signed off on the cutting down of these sacred trees doesn't speak for everybody, as Lydia Thorpe, the First Nations uh, senator, said, because plenty of First Nations people, particularly Jabberwung people, obviously, uh, have been publicly condemning and protesting the highway development for years. This conflict isn't new, it wasn't unknown, um, and the government was absolutely aware of it before they cut down the trees. You know, this is like, this is not new shit, okay? I knew about these for quite a while and I'm not the most educated on Melbourne politics in particular. <laughs> like, it's a bit farcical and fake to just be like, oh, but like we asked some people and they said yes. I mean, which is a comment within its own self on the fact that, again, you can't just like expect a small group of people to represent our entire like group of marginalised people, as I mentioned earlier with, I mean, Kamala Harris, but... This whole thing is fucked, pretty much. There's a really good... Um, you guys, I'm sure, are aware of the Honest Government ads <laughs> by Juice Media. There's a really good one on this tree situation that I reckon you look at if you want to learn a lot about it in a very small amount of time. Uh, so there's lots of articles kind of discussing how this situation with the sacred trees being cut down is an example of Australian native title law failing First Nations people because it's ambiguous. You know, there's so many loopholes. But honestly, it's naive to pretend that this is just a lack of foresight or awareness of issues. This is an active act of cultural genocide. The legality of it is, you know, irrelevant to me because these laws are colonizer laws on stolen land. Colonizers don't get to make laws about how to manage native t uh, land rights. Colonizers don't get a say on anything in this regard. Like if First Nations people are telling you that something is sacred and that you can't touch it, don't fucking touch it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's the case with so many other things, even like with Uluru, like how fucking long did it take to ban hiking on Uluru when like for years, First Nations people have been saying it's disrespectful. Legality does not mean shit here and legality doesn't automatically make the government in the right if they did it legally. Like it, it means it means nothing. It means nothing. It's just a concept. Plenty of First Nations people were vocally fighting against the cutting down of these sacred trees. And I think like this whole thing is just, just an example of just state law or Australian law, like actively perpetuating genocide against First Nations people. And even within the context of the law, the way in which I guess these cultures are treated is completely uh, hypocritical. Um, and I think when we, when we look at the resistance from this sort of stuff, we need to look at the protests that have been going on and also the way these protests have been suppressed and, uh, silenced and which is ultimately through a lot of police force so i just want to talk a bit about maybe the role of the protests and the police in these types of matters so even when laws are somewhat ambiguous with legal loopholes and ongoing conflicts still being negotiated police will always side with the capitalist imperialist class 
When the law isn't clear, police will always interpret the law in whatever way serves capitalists. The Aboriginal heritage laws, the laws in which, you know, govern uh, um, this tree and the protection of uh, sacred trees, they are designed to be exploitable. Even if Victoria's laws are superior to other states, as some articles suggest, it still allows a single organization to function as a monolith for an entire culture, which is obviously impossible. It's not that Victoria's laws are good, it's just that other states are even more racist and more imperialist. As we saw with the tree that was just cut down, the laws were contested, things were ambiguous, the correct course of action, in a legal sense, was unclear. Instead of police stopping the removal of a tree that is potentially unlawful, they dismantle protests and arrest those that may be in the legal right. The police don't enforce the law, they enforce the power of capitalists, of big businesses, of government construction. So, the police thus play an ongoing role in colonial violence today, committing cultural genocide themselves or protecting others that do. This is not an isolated event. This type of cultural genocide and imperialist destruction happens systematically across Australia and across the whole world. Everywhere there is capitalism, there is the murder and destruction of indigenous cultures. So this event with the, uh, with the tree being cut down really reminded me of something that happened a few years ago in America, which was uh, the construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline, or the DAPL, uh, which uh, happened a few years ago. So the DAPL is a 2,000-kilometer-long underground oil pipeline stretching across multiple American states, uh, which sparked many protests from 2016 to 2017. This was both because of the environmental impacts of the pipeline and also because it was a direct threat to important Native American reserves, uh, impacting ancient burial sites and other important cultural areas. In fact, it wasn't clear if the pipeline was actually legal. During its construction, there was ongoing court battles and reconsiderations. Uh, It was a major topic in the press for many months, well, the whole year even. But even when it was unclear whether the construction was legal, it still continued. If the law was anything to go by, then police would be siding with the protesters, making sure that, at the very least, construction wasn't proceeding while it was legally being contested. However, of course, that's not what we saw. What we did see was mass arrests and police violence that would take an entire podcast episode to detail. But ultimately, what those protests showed us that is that whatever laws and regulations imperialist countries make to benefit indigenous peoples or protect them are always superficial, bureaucratic, aesthetic, and tokenistic. You can do all you want to change the laws, make them more just or more fair to indigenous peoples whose land we have stolen, but that will mean nothing if the institution employed to protect these people and these rights, which is the police, only exists to serve the ruling class and reinforce the power of capital. Yeah, and honestly, I think a lot can be said about the police in relation to um, the subjugation of First Nations people anyway, because like the police as a concept came into existence to police racially marginalised people. Like in America, the police actually became a thing when like a bunch of white guys would go and capture uh, escaped slaves. And that is actually what turned into the police institution. And it's really not that different here. Uh, like, you know, it's some, like the police as a whole, we'll talk about it more when we do this ACAB episode, which I promise we'll do soon. But like, look, the history of the police is literally rooted in- uh, The slave trade. In the slave trade, exactly. And just, in, you know, in the abuse of Indigenous peoples all over the world. 
So obviously something origin from the slave trade isn't going to protect the rights of these people that we enslaved. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And honestly, like going back to the trees, going back to the Jabbering trees and how culturally significant they were. Like even if they weren't sacred or culturally significant as these trees in particular were, why the fuck do we just completely disregard the fact that these trees have existed for like centuries? Centuries old trees. There is so much history and here, and like, if we're going to talk about the trees in the Jabbering land, like there's birthing trees, there's direction trees, like there is so much just history of people, like there are generations of people born under these trees. I just like, it's shocking to me that this can even be like thought of as something you can just like cut down for a fucking highway, literally just to make the highway two minutes shorter. Like that's, that's what it's for. That's what's happening here. Yeah. And these people don't need to justify these trees to us like it's their fucking land like they don't need to prove to us like no please don't cut down this tree it's really important like it's just it's their land land. they should be able to choose everything even if it was like a fucking non-sacred random sapling like first nations people should have the sovereignty uh, over their land to make those decisions it is fucked that like they don't have that it is actually just fucked i mean this is entire conversation that we're having about like the fact that treaties and sovereignty are not respected in this country is exactly why genocide is still ongoing. You know, I just, I think about, like, imagine if this was a building we were talking about. Imagine if this was a 350-year-old building, a heritage building that the government just cut down. I guarantee you there would have been far more outrage. When the Notre Dame burned, there was worldwide grief. People were donating millions from around the world. Like celebrities were dropping fucking hundreds of thousands of dollars on this Notre Dame building. I don't understand how the loss of these trees is any less significant because it's not. How is it that if you want to cut down a tree in your front yard, it needs to be council approved or you'll be fine or you'll be fined. But the government can slaughter 3000 trees because that's how many they want to cut down, by the way, for the highway, um, regardless of protests by First Nations people. It's just white supremacy at play. An old building with centuries of white history was valued and protected, the Notre Dame. But old trees with centuries of Aboriginal history with cultural significance akin to more than, more than cathedrals have, these aren't held anywhere near in the same esteem. It's white supremacy. It's cultural genocide. It's actual, it's not even cultural genocide. It's just genocide. When you consider the fact that these trees are beings, they are cultural forces. They have the spirit and ancestry. They are real living things. To pretend that a highway faultily built on stolen land by invaders could ever be remotely important enough to allow the destruction of a sacred and ancient culture is genocide. Like the fact that this concept can exist with no consequences is genocide. I think for a lot of people, there's some kind of myth or like misunderstanding that genocide perpetuated by the state against First Nations people actually ended. Genocide isn't just the mass killing of people, though that's obviously a huge part of it. The erasure of culture, the deliberate destroying of sacred sites and monuments, the removal of children, the extinction and refusal to preserve languages, this is all also genocide. People often think that Sorry Day was significant in repairing the damage invaders have done to this country, but the rate at which Aboriginal children are stolen and removed from their families has actually increased since Kevin Rudd's famous speech. It didn't really mean shit. The speech didn't mean shit. It didn't stop the issue. The same way that Rio Tinto apologizing after blowing up 40,000-year-old Aboriginal cave sites. Also, that meant nothing too because they clearly didn't feel fucking sorry enough to not do it in the first place. Fuck me. That was dreadful. Like, desecrated. 
Yeah. They just blew it up and was like, oh, yeah, uh, my bad. I, I just, how just can you do that? Just salt in the wounds. Ridiculous. No, the Rio Tinto thing was actually like, as a, you know, as a non-Aboriginal person, that was fucking devastating. I just can't even imagine what it's like for that to actually be your culture and land history. I can't. Like, it's just, it's actually just so fucking horrific. It's actually just like unfeasible. Like, we, we don't have the comprehension abilities to understand just how fucked that was. It's devastating. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, those things can just, how can you, how can that just happen? Imagine if Rio Tinto actually blew up the fucking Notre Dame. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Imagine if they actually blew up, like, a place that is, like, a building that is, you know, valued by, like, colonizers. It would be a completely different story. People stopped reporting about Rio Tinto, like, a week after it happened. It just, like, fell out of the news cycle. It's just, oops, just another just another form of us, you know, just, like, committing genocide against First Nations people. Lol, so it's by. Like, it, it's just, I'm so, like, speechless, honestly. I, just, I don't even know what to say to, like, talk about it because... It's just devastating and it's, it just, it does make you feel a little bit helpless, I think. I imagine like just going on, I guess, forward from other ways that genocide is perpetuated against Aboriginal people today. I imagine a lot of you are familiar with DOCS. Uh, it's the agency that is known for supposedly protecting children. It's like child protective services. Uh, DOCS actually started out as a way for legalizing, normalizing, legitimizing the removal of Aboriginal children from their families, you know, in the name of protection in this like paternalistic fake way that white people also you know put aboriginal children and white families to like civilize them similar vibe uh it was and still is an institution that regularly upholds and continues the forces that still remove aboriginal children from their parents today this is ongoing aboriginal kids are still removed from their parents today like i literally know people my age who are removed from their parents like not that long ago i was at a protest thing and there was a guy that was talking about his auntie a week ago had her children removed from her. One of my friends is a lawyer and family and like immigration. And she was telling me about one of her clients recently who is a first nations woman and she doesn't have custody of her child, which is taken away from her. And she's like, there's literally no reason for it. There's literally, there isn't even like, it's not even like they can pretend it's paternalistic because there's no accusations of abuse or literally anything like that. She's been fighting for the custody of her child for years for no fucking reason except state genocide. Like, this is ongoing, and I think people need to, like, know it. And then if you pair all this with the over-policing and incarceration of First Nations people uh, by cops, and particularly their kids, black deaths in custody, the fact that this land's owners are the most incarcerated group in the world. Australia, like, First Nations people are the most incarcerated group of people in the fucking world. It's easy to see how the state has, through so many different instances, allowed and perpetuated the ethnic cleansing and removal and genocide of an entire people. Like, look at all these fucking stats, all these different areas of our society that have been built in a way to subjugate First Nations people. And they're, and are ongoing today, despite the fact that we've got fucking Sorry Day. And, you know, we have all, we have like, you know, like things like NADOC Week, where all the governments will suddenly fly an Indigenous flag. First of all, we should be doing that year round. We shouldn't even have a fucking Australia flag. Okay, Australia doesn't exist. <laughs> and then second of all, like the fact that we just like talk about it for a week and we're like, hey guys, this is the land we live on. And then nobody discusses the actual systematic elements of our society that keep First Nations people subjugated. And that will always, because we can't, we literally can't exist in a colonizer society without there being a subjugated class in this capitalist world. First Nations people have the highest rate of suicide in Australia and some of the highest in the world. It's tragic and it's awful and it's also a direct result of generations of trauma which aren't 
even eased by the present day. It's not like this is past, just past trauma. This is current trauma. This is ongoing trauma. Yeah, and just before this episode ends, I just want to talk about, I guess, a perspective that was elucidated to me not too long ago that I guess sort of changed the way I, I see this issue and my attachment to it. If you asked me before why we need to protect uh, Aboriginal land and Indigenous culture and not, you know, destroy sacred trees, I probably would have said something like, you know, it's really important because they have a deep spiritual attachment to the land. You know, like there are so many rituals and so many, I guess, cultural artifacts that are really important to their way of life. And while this is true and something that we need to recognize, it's also important that we don't simply give in to sort of mysticism about indigenous culture the truth of the matter is that even if they didn't have a spiritual attachment to the land it's just their fucking land it's like it's just theirs they don't need to justify to us that it has some mystical or spiritual purpose the the truth of the matter is in just a deeply political sense we are invading their land and whether or not they have some spiritual connection is irrelevant to us we are invading and the land is theirs that's it yeah exactly I completely agree. I just think the fact that we even need to have justification, the fact that we mystify this whole thing and it has to be a story, it has to be a legend for this to be worth fucking protecting, is not the case. And, it, and a First Nations person could tell you to get the fuck out and you probably should because like it's their land and that's that. This episode ends with a call to arms to allies like ourselves who want to stand in solidarity with First Nations people. This episode came out during NADOC week, but we don't want it to be tokenistic. As people who only exist on this land and live here because it was invaded and brutalized by colonizers, it is literally our responsibility to give reparations and pay the fucking rent. We need to show the fuck up, be it by putting our bodies on the line and actively protecting First Nations people and their land or donating and funding the necessary help required if we can't do that. This isn't our land. None of us settlers have a right to be here. We actually just don't have a right to be here. We are here because of the suffering and genocide of First Nations people. That is the price that was paid. And we need to remember what we owe them every single day in and out of NADOC week. Make an effort to learn about the First Nations history around you, their struggle, how the state fucks them over every day and beyond past, present, future. And also their stories of success and resistance too, because I think we can get quite tied up in stories of struggle. But there are also a lot of stories of success and resistance of Aboriginal people. They didn't just sit around and let themselves get fucking colonized. Like, that's not what happened. Something you learn a lot in school, I think, is, like, you just get fed the story that, like, uh, like First Nations people were just chilling and then colonizers came and it just, it is what it is. But there was, like, a lot of resistance ongoing throughout invasion, after colonization, throughout reserves, all of it. it. To this day, there is a radical history of Aboriginal culture that we also, I think, have the responsibility to learn because it's very easy for this to become paternalistic. It is so fucking easy to become a white saviour and that is not what we're here to do, okay? Um, so yeah, make an effort to learn all First Nations history regardless of if it's about struggle or resistance. Uh, it's your responsibility to know those things. We need to make the effort to know whose lands we live on and how to help them and then to actually pull through and do it. It's literally the least we can do and being uneducated on these topics is honestly not, it's not an excuse. It's not a valuable excuse. We all know that we live on Aboriginal land. You learn about it from day one when you start school. And there's, that's enough for you to get the fuck up and do some actual research and show some solidarity on your own behalf and take that initiative. It's your responsibility as somebody who lives on stolen land. Because this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Okay, so 
Patreon still hasn't gotten back to us with the issue we're having. Boo! <laughs> which kind of sucks and we're a bit annoyed about, but whatever. We can't go live until they do. So yeah, It is what it is. It is what it is. So hopefully until that happens in the next, I want to say next couple of days, but I said that last week and it's been a fucking week. So maybe it'll be two weeks. I don't know. Hopefully that happens soon. Uh, but in the meantime, if you thought our discussion today was interesting, thought-provoking, and something you learned from, please consider donating to our PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash to support future episodes. Uh, the PayPal link is in my Instagram bio, so check it out over there at sleehofficial and give me a follow if you liked today's episode. Also, it's NADOC week, so you really should make an effort to donate to Aboriginal organisations if you haven't already. Uh, I think it's, you know, fucking... It is the time. It is the time to do it. So do it. Um, also... Follow my Instagram at Mitch's Miscellanea or at Mitch's.miscellanea. Oh my God, yes. I Instagram. forgot I didn't script it. I'm so sorry, Mitch. I'm so used to copy pasting up like out your script that I forgot Mitch made a new Instagram. Check it so out. Sorry. I talk about movies and shit, books, hopefully soon. It's good fun. <laughs> that's my that's my little sales pitch. <laughs> um, come hang out. Okay, you go ahead. Come hang out. <laughs> <laughs> also... Also, if you have any comments or suggestions or you want to add to the discussion, you can email us at here's a thing though podcast at gmail.com and please include your name, pronouns, and any other important info. Uh, I do want to say next week we are doing an episode that's like a Q&A, get to know us vibe. So if you have any questions that you want to know about us, DM me at Sleeho Official, DM Mitch at Mitch's Miscellania, or DM, uh, sorry, or email us, or I'll put a Facebook thread about it, you know, any of our socials, I'll put something up. Do hit us up with questions if you have any, because we'll answer them all next week. And of course, remember to follow and subscribe. It really helps the podcast get out there. Bye. Bye.